Have you just said this, right? I have to check out Harry Dan. I'm not the hunter of the year candidate. I'd, 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 <laughs> you said saying, that. What I'm saying is, I'd have to take out. Okay, I'll take out Conor Beenan then. Conor Beenan, I, I have to be. That's it. I quit. Subscribe to the GA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. GAA Late Night Live every Sunday evening 8.30 on Twitter Spaces Follow at Off The Ball In partnership with Guinness Zero Zero 100% Guinness 0% alcohol More social occasions off the GAA pitch are yours for the taking Hello there, folks. How are you both after your escapades in Crow Park today? Oh, Lord. I have a very nice man to thank for my ticket in Zero Zero gig. Gave me his second ticket, so I sat next to him in 328 in Lower Hogan. And I saw Garrod Hagerty's goal from the best angle you could ever imagine. Go on. Talk us through it, Sarah. What did you see? Look, Quaid has no right to take on that shot. And he buries it into the top left-hand corner. Lads, the place erupted. What was it, four minutes in? He was on fire. And look, for the rest of the game, Paddy Deegan thought he was marking him, but nobody was marking him. A bit of change off him. But it took- he's getting the freedom of the park. We have to sort this out. Di Regan, I haven't looked at any player ratings yet, but I reckon Garrod Hegarty. struggling there, Sarah. It's myself and yourself today. Sorry, Tommy, apologies. And you're on the way home from oh, the <coughs> Good evening, yeah, just about to land home in about a minute's time, actually got down and um, it was great, no traffic coming out, so I actually got time to come down and get something to eat, but yeah, really interesting what you're saying about Garage Hegarty, because when Kilkenny will see, probably Garage Hegarty will get man of the match, he was outstanding, but it could have been Kyle Hayes, or it could have been Tom Morrissey, and that in itself, you know, the half forward line for Limerick just went to town for the bulk of the game and a lot of it was on the puckouts. and I was like I, lis- I, I, I listened to an old Kilkenny man on the train when I got on real fascinating guy and I gathered he was from Glenmore but they were having a family of four were chatting with him and they were guy said we're just not up to them but he said we really kept it into them playing about the size and the strength and the power and they come at pace and they come in waves and they come in droves but I mean Limerick's puck-out strategy hasn't really changed from 2018. I remember watching Seamus Flanagan on the 20 and diagonally out to the 45 from Dahi Burke and picking up ball after ball. And they did it all day today. Limerick, depending on where he was on the field, and Hegarty would move in just behind Kyle Hayes. And if the ball was been struck, the two of them had made the runs into space either side because the Limerick the Kilkenny midfielders weren't falling back and the two boys inside were staying inside so they were sprinting into space and they picked up puck out after puck out and I spent a lot of the game watching particularly Brian Cody he was five yards away from me during the game I was sitting behind him and Martin Comerford kept getting up off his seat and I've never in all my time ever remember Mick Dempsey in his years with Kilkenny ever going up and remonstrating with Brian Cody like today and Brian Cody to me to my mind looking at it very carefully got really annoyed with Martin Comerford and at one stage and I think there was about 12 or 13 minutes to go and Hegarty won another ball and they got a point from it and Comerford jumped up and he remonstrated with Cody and he could clearly see what are we going to do about Hegarty and I thought you've done nothing about him all game 
they haven't changed their puck out strategy, but you haven't adopted. And as good as Kilkenny were, and as long as they hung in, because Limerick were the better side, but Kilkenny were magnificent. You know, they fought on their backs today, they really did. But I just was really disappointed that they didn't nail the Limerick puck out because what it was predicated on was, as the ball was being struck from Quaid, the lads would make their sprint. And when you sprint from someone, you get a yard on them immediately. And I thought that Kilkenny just never figured it out. And I was really disappointed 10 minutes into the game because Kilkenny's first four puckouts were hit down in the 21. And Limerick picked all four of them up. Limerick refused to do that. The only time Limerick went long towards the last five or six minutes, I watched our management team and it was extraordinary to tell their forwards and the half forward line to push in towards the 21, not protect the lead. Because they knew the Kilkenny boys in the full back line were actually winning anything that were going in. And they were remonstrating with Hegarty and Kyle Hayes to push in on top of the lads. Whereas for the first half, they played 60 yards away from them. And it was just... Kilkenny were outmaneuvered on the line today by 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 Kylie and Kinnert. There is no doubt about it. They were outmaneuvered. They manufactured scores from puckouts and strategy. Kilkenny relied on kind of genius scores and when Walter came on he was the fulcrum for the two goals but they were outmaneuvered and, and I heard Sean Fitzpatrick say about you know the All Blacks management team yesterday they were outcoached I would be low to be critical of Brian Cody but based on what I saw today any were outcoached today by, by, by a better okay. side okay. they were outcoached I'm, okay, I'm going to agree with you yeah. on that Dahi right? just just on the point that Walter's incremental in bringing Kilkenny back into the game right and immediately Darrow Donovan is out is out muscled and Dan Morrissey switches straight across it's in game correction of an issue that's a that's a problem and they shut Walter down no question shut him down Guy, we might let you get back into the house there. I know you're just outside home. So do you want to get back in and get set up? Myself and Sarah will pick up the mic here. 100%. About. 100%. Thanks, Guy. Come on. Just mute your mic there. Sarah, um, picking up on what Dahi's saying there about Kilkenny being mm. outcoached, Kylie and Canark on the line. Let's come back to that in a couple of minutes. Today, Limerick made history. They're the first team outside of Cork, Kilkenny, or Tipperary to do the three in a row. How was- big an achievement is that for the county? It was absolutely stunning. And for everyone around me who were majority proud they were of, of, of their team, the honest, the composure, I suppose that's epitomised by four-time All-Ireland winning captain Declan Hannon, who has done this, who has done something that nobody has ever done before, right? And obviously was at pains to say this before he lifted the cup, which which I liked, which was a nod to Declan Hannon. How much has he given, given well, to the game? Well, in fairness, Larry McCarthy had to get it right this year after getting the day around. Before, <laughs> you know. He knew that too. He had to nail this one. I know he had to nail it, right? But I, but I just felt, I suppose the last 10 minutes, lads, I thought Hannon was exceptional in the last 10 minutes. He was picking balls out of lads' pockets. Like, I... Yeah. He was stealing ball where there was no right to steal ball. He was exceptional. And, you know, obviously, Keen Lynch to lift the cup with uh, Declan Hannon. And I suppose myself and Jamie Wall were talking about this after the match. I think it spoke to the fact that 
everyone was going to say that they did this without Keane Lynch, but I think they did it with him because he was there every step of the way with the team. And that's why he got to lift the cup alongside Declan Hannon. And I suppose yeah. I'd love to know Dahi's point on this and your, and your point, Tommy. That was a big statement for Keane Lynch to step in there at the end and lift the cup with him. Yeah, yeah. Dahi, what did you think of that? Actually, Dahi, would you mind? Uh, actually, no, it's okay. I thought we had our first caller there, but they seemed to drop out. Dahi, you pick up on what Sarah was saying there. Yeah, it's, it's no great surprise, really. I mean, I played a game of golf with Joe Dooley yesterday and he said to me, guys, most people are tipping Limerick, but saying it's not going to be the biggest surprise ever. He said, imagine Limerick could win this without our best player. But Limerick are the sum of their parts in that the way they play, one player doesn't make the whole thing tick. Whereas teams and good teams over the years have been brought over the finishing line by a genius. But Limerick don't rely on a genius. You know, they play to probably even a higher plane, but looking at Kyle in centre forward again there today, he was just absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, they're going to be an awesome bunch when they get Keane back. It's going to be about hunger going forward. But anyway, we won't worry about next year. It's all about today. I thought it was a, I thought it was an ex- extraordinary experience. One I've enjoyed probably as much as the, the 9 final, which I thought was the best I ever saw. And I do think it still is the best I ever saw. But for... You think it's on a par today? I, I I would say it's it's I I'll never see better than I don't think I'll ever see better than 09, But I just like I don't want to be critical of Kenny Limerick were the better side. But my God, did Kilkenny go out in their shields today? They just would not accept defeat whatsoever. But Limerick's ability again, they've done it with Galway, they've done it with Clare previously. When they're brought to the cusp, they just have this innate ability to play their way through danger. And it's the same thing again. They just trust in their system. And they have a better system than Kilkenny. And that's not a criticism of Kilkenny. Teams set up in particular ways. They're well on their journey, you know, with Paul Kinnerk and John as to how they play. And they trust it implacably. And they're brilliant at it. And they just have a power game in democracy. Kilkenny are relatively new to this kind of thing. It's more of a hybrid thing with them. And at times they throw a ball back and then have an overlap and they throw it sideways and... But they were never coming forward in droves. An odd time they did, but, you know, Limerick are, were brought to the edge pretty much again, but true champions that they are, they just, like, the way they saw it, it was a calmness to the way they saw it. Yeah. Kenny just could never get ahead of them. Well, I'd love, to, I'd love to hear from some Limerick fans today. Just just to put into context, I was listening to GA late night, it is coming to you with thanks to Guinness 00. Uh, 100% Guinness, 0% alcohol, more social occasions off the pitch are yours for the taking. Sarah, you did well to stay off the Guinness Zero Zeros today. Fair play <laughs> to you. You're on a double shift. You were doing the brunch, our All-Ireland final brunch this morning with Nathan and Kieran Carey and Jamie Wall. And who else is with you as well? True. And yeah, what was the vibe um, beforehand? Was Kieran Carey very relaxed? He always is. He was, but look, Eddie Brennan was with us as well, actually. And, too, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know what? There was great banter between the two of them. They, they weren't giving much away now. They were... There, there was a bit of shadow boxing going on, and then and then Jamie'd row in and say, "Look, boys, I'm going to be honest here. I think Limerick are going to shade it." So obviously, Kieran was buoyed by that. But I think we got a great insight into both setups in terms of how Kean Lynch's absence was going to be dealt with by Limerick, which was basically what Ahi is talking about: process. You know, the best score I saw today late on was was Boylan's score. 
you know, it, it, it was absolutely, it was a monster score, if you'll agree with me, Dahi. You know, Conor Boylan comes on, young lad, looks up, takes the pressure off Limerick completely by going, what, coming on the pitch, he was, what, three minutes on the pitch? I have to be honest, I thought Garrod Hegarty's point in extra time was the final score of the day. I thought that monster of a score from about 65, 70 yards out. Boylan's score was brilliant too, but just I can't get past that Hegarty point. The Hegarty point under the stand that they had to go to Hawkeye. No, did they go to Hawkeye for that? It was in, it was in injury time. It was to put got, them. Oh, sorry, sorry. He got he got one in the, he got one at the end of the first half. And no, one at the end of the second half after that Titanic performance. Do you want to pick up on Sarah's point about Carl Boylan there and, and the Limerick bench that came in? Yeah, again, Tom Morrissey. I watched Tom Morrissey coming off. He shook, John Kiley made a point of going over and shaking hands with him. Now it was at a crunch stage of the game, and I watched Kiley. And it was a puck out for Kilkenny and it went long. And as the ball was landing, Kylie was still talking to his player after coming off. And I thought, Jesus Christ. And the same thing happened when he took off Flanagan. And that was actually afterwards. There was about seven or eight minutes to go. And I watched him as Flanagan was walking off. Kylie actually made a move of about five yards to his left to go over. And again, the ball was down in the, the danger area for Kilkenny. And he never took his eyes off Flanagan. He walked straight over and a really brief moment. And I just thought, that's an incredible thing to do. You're not even following the ball. I just, just spoke volumes for the respect of the group that's there. That he still made time to have a word with him. But you could clearly see Morrissey shook his head when he came off. And I thought... If Garoge Hegarty wasn't setting the world alight here, I'd have you in the top three for man of the match. I thought Tom Morrissey was fantastic today, but he was disappointed. But then you look at Reedy and that score you're talking about. It was Carl O'Neill, Connor Boylan, Peter Casey. They all asked Reed, questions yeah. to the absolute limit in the last 10 minutes and they didn't have answers for them. Yeah, because they weren't minding the scores from inside. For the bulk of the second half, the scores weren't coming from inside. The scores were coming from out the field. Yeah. And that's why... Like Kylie and Kinnerk were so smart. Kilkenny got the goal, and I thought to myself, you know, it's the impossible on because it would have been an extraordinary turn turn of face if it's a thing impossible that it could happen. But to look at the management team telling them to push up, they clearly indicated for Quaid to go along in the puckouts, and he went as long as he could, and they were beseeching the half forward line to get in on top of it. Basically, when the ball hit the ground, or if it hit the ground, they were going to be there. And that's very clear thinking from the management team. And I just don't think, like, there was a uniformity in thinking between Kinnerk and Kylie. They knew what they were doing, they knew why they were doing it. And it was really, really quick thinking. It was, they, they were getting heated, Dahi, they were getting heated on the line as well. And we might come back oh, to no, that in were. a second, but, but we have we have Michael McMullen yeah, on the line from Derry. Great, I just want to bring him great. in. Our first caller here on GA Late Night, Michael. Uh, give you a chance to unmute your mic there. You can have a chat with both Dahi and Sarah um, and let us know what you want to talk about today. I presume it's not Derry today, unfortunately. Definitely not, Tommy. It was an absolutely excellent game. Uh, it's just something sort of related to their management team. Um, like the captain listed off a, an array of names, but last week I heard a podcast where, I can't remember who it was, but one of the subs questioned Carolyn Currid as to where they fitted in the hecking order. And it's as if she's got a really important role in the whole thing. And today, when the game was in the mix, there seemed to be a calmness about um, Limerick. I'm just wondering from some of your speakers there, is there an insight as to what she actually brings to the table? But, but they found a way. Um, I'm just wondering what her input was, because maybe it's, maybe it's one of the most important ingredients of that. 
Have either of you come across the work of Caroline Courage? I know she's working in a number of teams up and down the country. Nope, just just the word from the camp. The Limerick camp is, and back the years, I was talking to him last week, and he just said, listen, she brings a huge amount to it. They talk about system, they talk about processes, they talk about sticking to it, they talk about belief, they talk about execution, and they don't change the way they played. And it's a good point that's been made, because to me, when Kilkenny drew level and the game was back in the melting pot, and you're thinking, Kilkenny won't go away. Limerick never panicked. Nothing changed. If anything, they worked the ball out even more clinically than they've been doing early on. It's been brought to bear on them to, to, to be as calm and the way they worked the ball out and the execution of the passes, three or four passes in a row. Guy always took it with the ball just in front, so he was running on again. They've done it all year, and it's just trusting in the system, having an incredible belief that if we do it right, it's going to bring us over the line. And it's just, it's it's habitual, it's repetitive, and when you do it, like I made the point before about Kilkenny and the All Blacks been very much alike in that they do simple brilliant. Limerick are doing simple brilliant, and an innate belief in what they're doing, it's very difficult to break that. The other part but of it as well is what I heard, and and this is something that I, it's probably related to the to the guys coming on today and their impact, is that she asks questions of the players and says, well, who's the person you're chasing, and you know what can you do better than him, and there's a constant kind of Hunger Games aspect to it, and you know this isn't speaking out of camp. This is something that I heard. Who are you chasing down, and who's the guy that you want to be better than, and if we're looking at the scores that the subs got today that would suggest that they would look at the Limerick player who they're replacing and they'll go, I'll go one better than you. Yep. Thanks very much. Yeah, Michael, it's a very interesting question because <laughs> the question was always going to be asked if Kilkenny could stick with them. When history was in Limerick sites, could they deal with that pressure? But a team like Kilkenny chasing you down and hunting you down and they just did enough. Even in extra time when you were thinking Kilkenny needed a goal, if one of those Limerick scores later on hadn't gone over, a point would have done Kilkenny to bring that game to extra time. Yeah, and you made the point, or I think it was Dahi made the point, where Gorta and Cody were sort of at loggerheads along the line. So maybe it's just calmness they maybe need because they weren't they weren't that far away. And maybe that's the, the inches thing again. And it shows you the importance of every, every piece of the puzzle. I think as well, the last point that Kilkenny scored, there was obviously a bit of friction about that and whether he should have dropped it in. Like, do you want to lose by one or do you want to lose by three? You know, w- would we all have wanted them to go for the last point? Because there was a minute 20 on the clock when that ball went over the bar. And then Limerick took it down to a sideline. And Peter Casey conceded the sideline to Kilkenny, went plus one and said, now you try and make your way out of this corner. And they couldn't get out. Yeah, actually, that's a very good point. That it is. And actually, just before he conceded that, Limerick had won one back out in the 21 and Garoge Hegarty stood over it and I watched behind in front of uh, O Murphy so no Limerick player had ventured in towards the square. They'd all congregated ahead of him to the side of him and just behind him all about 20, 14 metres away and Garoge Hegarty stood and he looked and he looked and he looked and I, and I said you have no intention whatsoever now of you know aiming this across the field or anything like that and I can't remember which Limerick player broke from the Kilkenny defender and again sprinted a yard 
ahead of him. And he played it like, you know, on the ground in front of him, straight to a Limerick player who picked it up and it was another 30 seconds wasted. Keep it in the corner. Yeah. That yeah. whole thing, that whole thing, sequence of play took about 40 to 50 seconds. But like, it, would, it just showed how clinical Limerick were that and their thought process and the calmness about themselves that Hegarty just was going to play this low, but it was someone making a run off his man. And again, that yard, that yard. And I just think that's where Kilkenny probably weren't clinical enough to, to close Limerick down, weren't ruthless enough. They were ruthless in a lot of things that they'd done. But when I look at the amount of balls, like you want to see the way the Limerick half-forward line congregated, you know, 40 yards from goal for their own puck out, the way they just kind of jogged to it. Next thing they'd turn and they'd sprint in different directions. But always the ball was played outside of them. And I mean, the other thing was, Garoge Hegarty then would move into centre forward. Kyle Hayes would go wing forward. Morrissey would end up right half. And the three of them constantly interchanged for the whole game. And the damage came off that half forward line. Totally came off that half forward line. And the Limerick half, or the Kilkenny. The fact that they refused to go. Whole game, I thought it was. That was down to the fact that they refused to go to a man marking style kind of game. And they were quite happy to say, he's moved into the pocket, you pick him up. Because I could see Paddy Deegan at one stage pointing a finger going, right, he's gone behind me, you pick him up. But it was too late. It was like too you're, late. You're either marking your man or you're not. Like holding yeah. their positions wasn't working for them. And 100%. that's why it took 50 minutes for David Blanchfield yeah. to go on Hegarty. And then he catches finally the ball over his head late on. And you're saying, right, he's gone man to man. It was the template was set in, in the All-Ireland semi-final. And, and again, we had this conversation during the week and, and, and I, I said it to Mick Dignan. I said, you've got to go man-to-man on Morrissey because they'll push 60, 70 yards out the field. It's the Kilkenny half, two wing-backs easily, particularly the first seven or eight minutes when ball was they didn't do against Galway. Galway followed them. And I said, it, I said it during the week, the only way you, you mitigate Limerick is you go on Morrissey and you go on Hegarty, you give two boys a job for 70 minutes and you say you don't leave their side, even if that means you go way up the field because all of a sudden you're not playing to Limerick's agenda. Something is coming back from inside off, off, uh, off of the lads inside. You know, you're forcing then Limerick to, to, to make a change. But Kilkenny never posed that question today. They just let the two half forwards do what they liked and they decided and you're you're right, for the puck outs it was like it was all about trying to cover space. But I watched the I watched Quaid in the goals with the sub goalkeeper before the game and I watched him for a long time. His half a yard of a sprint on his man. It's bouncing in front of him and it's straight to hand. I don't know how many times it happened. That every time will beat Kilkenny trying to cover space and five yards and cover this and split this and the whole thing. I, I just I just couldn't understand it today. Galway showed what could be done when you went man-to-man on them, but Kilkenny decided that they would kind of mark space and one man had cover, but Kilkenny mid and again, yeah. I just didn't think enough work went into it. I just don't think it okay. did. Okay. We, we might come back to that. Does any Kilkenny fans listening in? If you want to have a chat with us and you're listening to our Twitter spaces here on your phone, on the mobile app, all you have in the bottom left corner, you'll see a little request button. Hit that button and you'll be able to get through to both Dahi Regan, Sarah and myself. Michael McMullen, thanks very much for calling in. Before I let you go, do you want to just give us your verdict for next weekend in the All-Ireland Football Final? Is it going to be Galway? 
or is it going to be Kerry who win the All-Ireland football title? Uh, a very tight game in prospect. I tipped Kerry after the league and I'm not going to change now. Uh, it's just a pity. It's not, not us there, but that's the way it goes. Kerry to, to do the double. Fair play, Michael. Appreciate it. We'll see what happens next Sunday. Thank you. We might chat to you then. Joe Heron, would you like to come in? Joe Harold, you're, uh, we have you now on GA Late Night. Joe just dropped out there. Hector. Hector, are you okay gone? How's Joe. it going? How are you doing, Tommy? How are you? Thanks for joining us. How are things? Were you watching the hurling Sitting today? outside the back garden here in Galway and there's a lovely bit of evening sunshine yeah. and uh, we had the barbecue. There was no food being cooked during that match. And uh, it's it. what, a, what, a, what a magnificent day it was. I was uh, sitting with my wife, who's a proud Dura Bearfield woman, Sean McMahon and Oddie Baker and James O'Connor country. So uh, there's a lot of clear blood in the other side, uh, the other half of the family. But I think, listen, Kilkenny have to get a lot of plaudits and a lot of praise for putting in such a performance. They were magnificent. Walter Walsh coming in the second half. I remember being in Crow Park when Brian Cody introduced a young lad called Walter Walsh, I think, for his championship debut in a replay against Galway. Nobody knew who he was. Yeah. Johnny Cohn, who was player of the year, a young player of the year, had to mark him. And we were like going, who is this 19-year-old giant? The way he turned the game for 15 or 20 minutes, you know, we have to, we have to talk about that. It was a magnificent display from Kilkenny in the second half. But uh, I've never seen anything like the, the Limerick men. They were talking about composure on the ball, doing the right things, never panicking when they go a point level or a point down and uh, trusting in themselves and then to rattle over three or four points. It was an amazing game, brilliant All-Ireland final. And that's what Hurling gives us over the last couple of years and especially over the last decade. It's given us drama. It's given us mythical stories of magical men taken to Croke Park. It was magnificent. Hector, can I ask you a quick question about the specimen of uh, hurler that we're seeing there in Limerick. You were reared on the great Mead teams of the 80s and 90s. Have you ever seen books like Gerard Hegarty or Sean Finn or Kyle Hayes? Lads, the in. Kyle Hayes. It's, it's incredible. They're monsters. Yeah, I see it. Look, at, I'm involved with lads who won a minor A last year in football here in Clare Galway. We're going well in the club here and with the All Ireland minor title of five lads on the team. But I see the way young lads physically are changing at 16, 17, 18. I don't know. I, I've never seen anything like it. The fitness of, of, of young lads now. And these, these, these lads have been in the academy in Limerick for the last five, six, seven years. They have those, those years of, of, of science and of diet and of high quality training under their belts. And it's the creme de la creme. And it's yeah. incredible. They're standing up to tackles. Like Kilkenny are ferocious in their tackle. And Galway, you know, uh, Clare couldn't live with Kilkenny. You know, Kilkenny are just, Kilkenny always reminded me of a dog fight. They want that ball more than anything. If there was, if there was 10 men fighting for the ball on the ground, it was always Chaff, it's Patrick or Tommy Walsh that would come out with it. They, they just want that ball more. There's very few people who can live with Kilkenny when they're hungry for the ball. But uh, un unfortunately, they come up against one of the greatest teams of all time today. But they are specimens, aren't they? 6'3", six, 6'4", six, 90 kilos, 95 to watch. We have, we have so many superstars in the GA now. We have so many uh, role models for, these, for young hurlers and young kids to look up to. Uh, all over the country, and it's it's brilliant. It's it's absolutely fantastic that these are they're showing their skills on the biggest day of all. And I think they were so happy that there was eighty two thousand five hundred people in there today compared to the last yeah. two years when they won it. You know, it's incredible for them. That's a good Tom, Tommy, actually, uh, Jamie, you all had a great story today, and Hector, you'll appreciate this. There's a lad in West Cork who's French, right? Yeah, he's six. He's six foot four, right? His his name is Gillian. 
right? And he's he's down in Kilbritton playing hurling and he loves the gym and he's going to Cork under 16 hurlers. But the lads down in West Cork have decided they can't call him Gillian, so they're calling him Gillan. <laughs> he's Gillan and he's going to be Gillan for every more and that's, that's and that's as easy as it is. Yeah. And look, yeah. he's 6'4". If you can't use a lad who's 6'4 in a GA team, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, you know Walter Walsh coming in the second half TJ Reid I've never seen a man to, to to pick ball out of the air over the last three or four games like yeah. TJ Reid you know we, we, we you know TJ Reid has proven this season he's I don't know 74 championship games just turning 35 years of age he has proved this year of what an all-round superstar he is not just the most deadliest potentest clinical free taker of all time uh, because he has he has won all Ireland's from them frees ten out of ten and eight out of eight from dead ball. But what a man to to rise majestically into the sky. And remember, that's what hurling is all about, and that's what Gaelic football is all about. We want to see men rising and women rising into the sky to feel the ball almost mythical and magical like like I said earlier on and DJ or TJ Reid has been unbelievable with that black glove going up into the sky way above everyone else and it has shown that he is possibly the greatest hurler of his generation yeah unreal Hector will you be chatting about it in the hen shed tomorrow with Tommy and Larita uh, Larita is still uh, hurting from the Mayo the, 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 she's hurting because Galway are on a, a huge drive at the moment if, if Galway were in seven in the five, seven days time you know we the, the journey home from Crow Park last Saturday, last, uh, Saturday was long, but to stop in in, in McDonald's in Athlone, it, yeah. was, it was chaos. It was like the electric picnic in McDonald's in Athlone on the way home from Crow Park. So, listen, Galway have a good shout. Kerry are there, but if we get half the dry, the superstars on show, it could, be, it could be an amazing, it could be amazing two weeks. Unreal. Hector, thanks for and I'll leave you with this. Up the Royals, meet Kerry in a couple of weeks as well in the All-Ireland Final. So, yes. Enjoy that See you, See you later. Great listening to you, lads. Long, long. Bye-bye. The performance that he put in. <laughs> put it into context for us. Just pick well, up the end there. Okay, well, Tommy, when, when you say his performance, that performance, I mean, I, th- I thought TJ had a very quiet game today. Okay. Um, did, you, did you think he... I, I felt like when ball was going in in that first half, TJ was the only one who was going to do anything to keep them in it. Oh, no. I, 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 like, that's like the ability to do things and to throw ball around. I mean, the guy is a, a genius, an absolute given genius. But if you want to compare about having an effect on the game, was he given the space to crow park today by the half-back line from Limerick? He was in his Nelly. Not like Garage Hegarty or Morris. Mm-hmm. And Kilkenny, they came within, you know, four or five minutes of causing a, a pretty much of of of, of bearing the way the game went. And I, I refer you back to the gentleman I, I listened to on the train, and and I knew listening to him, he was a, he was a Ballyhale man, a very knowledgeable man. You know, we're not up to them, but we nearly did them. You know, and then to listen to him talk earlier on, and then I listened to the family he was with, really with them, but I really enjoyed listening to them. And one or two were saying, Jesus, TJ's legs, and the whole thing. Yeah, TJ was, you know, dangerous. He was the one that if he got on a ball, but they smothered him every time he went near the ball because they clearly had identified him. So he had nowhere near the effect on the game whatsoever that, that the whole Limerick half forward line did. But that's because Limerick had their homework done. They clearly targeted him and he was going to get no space. 
And that's kind of testament to the, the guy's ability and what he can do in a brief second. Towards the end of the game, there was a high ball went in at one stage. Wally and himself were there. And I think he peeled off and it bounced well for him. And I think he, from where I was back in, I, I wasn't in, in as good a seat. I was back in 3-3-3 in the lower deck of the Hogan, but... I was 90 yards away and for a split second I thought his movement and it's, but Limerick just snuffled him out if you can remember that incident towards the last, maybe the last 10 minutes it looked for a brief second like he was going to be in but I didn't think he had an effect on the game hugely today Tommy you know li- like some of the Limerick players did I really didn't Yeah that's fair so do you want to come in on that like, I, I just think that Yeah I'm going to disagree with you there Dahi. I suppose I, I had him and Walter Walsh for the whole of the second half uh, they were right in front of me for the whole second half. He caught a monster ball late on and, and it led to a score. And, and I thought Limerick couldn't leave him alone. As in, this is probably what we're talking about last a couple of weeks ago with Keane Lynch. He comes on and uh, D- David Reedy gets the spade at Keane Lynch. Yeah. Today I felt he beat him. He catches a massive ball. And the, the ball that you're talking about late on, he could have actually taken the score. He tries to find yeah. Walter because Walter's inside him. That's and, the one. Yeah, and late on, I, I would say... He could have picked their pocket and got a point out of it, right? Yeah. And he'll probably regret that. But I think the point he, was on, Sarah. You're right. Yeah, the decision he took to put it across, it wasn't on. But he could have taken the point, and it would have brought them back within one. Yeah. But in front of me, what I felt was he was taking three players with him because they were the he, him and Wally were the only players that were going to catch him all out of. So Kion got the goal because Limerick were so preoccupied with TJ. Yeah, that's fair, lads. We just have another caller in, Jim. I believe we're calling him from Kilkenny. You'd like to have a, a chat with Sarah and Doc Colm Long if you want to uh, have a chat here on GA Late Night. If Jim can't unmute his mic, it'll be tricky. It's in the bottom left-hand corner. If he can't, Dahi, I might put that question to you and if Jim can go back in, he, he, he can jump in as well. Colm Lyons, what, what did you make of it today? Free to chat? Yeah, um, lads, I thought he was terrible today. The throwing of the ball that was picked up on then. I thought there was a very a lot of bad decisions against Kilkenny. Um, Hannan dropping the hurl clearly at one stage and switching the switching his hand to hand pass the ball. Now it's not so grapes because I do think Limerick were the better team and deserved the same. But um, be just interested to see what the lads think of that. Yeah, he didn't drop his hurl. I I watched it clearly. He didn't drop his hurl as he was coming out. The hurl was knocked out of his hand. And he took a couple of steps and it was nearly like, Jesus, like the, the hurl is, he didn't drop the hurl. I swear to God, he did not drop the hurl. But I thought the referee in the first minute for me set the template and I thought, Jesus, this guy is going to let this go. I thought he let a lot go. I thought he let a lot go on both sides, to be fair about it. Um, and to me, and, 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 and we go back again to the different interpretations. I thought there was an awful lot that probably technically within the rule book are freeze. And if he does, he gets nailed and it's a free fest. I think in general, he was pretty fair on both sides. Um, but in that particular instance, I it was, in, to my, in my opinion, absolutely he did not drop the hurl. The hurl was knocked out, the hurl was knocked out of his hand. And there was Kilkenny guys beside me and there were great guys and Limerick people there, the whole thing. And the Kilkenny guys were, I said, lads, he didn't drop the hurl. It was clearly knocked out. But, when the game is that tight and it's at the end and everyone's he dropped the hurl, he dropped the hurl, he dropped the hurl. To me, he absolutely didn't drop the hurl. But I can understand why people might think he did, but it was knocked out of it. I thought he let it go. I thought he let a lot go. And like it or lump it, it is what it is now. I actually thought it added to the game, to be honest with you. He could have gone the other way about it. I did think he let a lot go, to be fair about it. 
but still the throwing of the ball is still a big problem and Limerick are doing it every game and I, it's every game they're doing it they're throwing the ball I, I agree with you on that I thought there was a couple of occasions today where I felt the ball there was a one occasion later on Dahi, and I don't know if you remember it I'll watch it back tomorrow but Kilkenny were up in the corner near me and I thought the Limerick lad came out like hurley across his chest and charged and it was an absolute free all day long and I think that would have brought Kilkenny level and I suppose that was the point where I went Cullum you need to be closer to the play because I think he was in midfield at that point and he was yeah. too far away to make the call and I Did felt he? that he was possibly and this is the only thing that I the criticism that I would have is I felt he sat too far back to make the calls if he yeah. really needed to make them you, you must remember like the heat that was there today and the whole thing like there was one for me blatant free and it's just just now that we mention it there was one blatant free where I can't remember which Kilkenny player under the Hogan stand in the first a private hand pass to I don't know which of the boys it was and Garoge Hegarty came in swinging one handed and when he swung I thought there was abandon in the way he swung with that I thought Jesus Christ how did you get away with that he made no attempt it was a wild swing now it was I think a it was Egan I think was it Paddy Deegan? I think it was, it was Deegan. Like, like Garoge Hegarty ran and jumped in. He was nowhere near the ball. He made connection with nobody, but it was wild. And I thought, Jesus. I did think he let a lot go. There's no doubt about it. I think he let a lot go. But like I say, I mean, it's like oh, the referee from the minor game. Out that but his mistake was with five seconds to go. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not a simple place to be, guys, when it's 26, 27 degrees there and you're expected to get the crucial decisions right. They're all crucial decisions. So in that case, then, he's yeah. going to get some of them wrong. Yeah. I look, Limerick were the better team, in fairness. I'd say that as a Kenny man. I'm just Fair play, yeah. very happy with the pride we showed. Because at the start of the second half, you'd be thinking if they, get, if they get another point or two and they go six, seven points up, it could have been like tip in 19. Yeah. And, can I um, ask you a question? Can I, can I ask you a question? You've been fierce on us there. Yeah. Like, what did you make of Kilkenny's attempt on the Limerick Puck out strategy with with Morrissey and Garage Hegarty and the way they were able to kind of run into space the whole time with Kilkenny defenders running behind them. Do you not yeah. think a lot of scores came off that were Kilkenny? It, it was having stand for us. It was they were just losing their men. Sometimes Hegarty was five yards ahead. Yeah, um, Deegan was an awful bother. Yeah. Gary, yeah. not as much, but still in bother. And Richie Reed was probably the wrong man to be hurling on Kyle Hayes. I thought. Yeah. physically he's not as strong as him he's more a hurler but he didn't get on the yeah. ball to play it now he had a very good chance at the end which was a critical wide TJ spread it out the lower Cusick to Richie and unfortunately went wide at near post That's but right. the half back line with the puck outs was an absolute yeah. disaster to, to, to me to me to me that to me that sucked the life out died on their backs they fought on their backs today all the way they brought it to the edge they brought them to the cusp they brought them to the edge of the cliff but when they look back on it Limerick mines so many scores off their own puck outs and off the half oh, thing. it was 113 from play in the first half I think they got a lot of that was from the half back line yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. thanks for calling in Jim we have two more callers on the line here so I might just bring them in appreciate no hard luck today cheers Mary if you'd like to unmute your mic there, uh, calling in from North Kilkenny, feel free to have a chat with Sarah and Dahi here. Hi, how are you? Hi, Mary. You're very welcome to GA Late Night. What would you like to chat about? Uh, no, I'd just like to um, kind of... Um, I, I don't. I didn't really have a problem with the referee. Um, 
uh, I, I think uh, Kilkenny died with their boots on, but uh, like Dahi and uh, Jim just from Kilkenny just said, like, I mean, some of the the strategy, I thought, I thought, um, I thought the line had a lot to answer for in terms of uh, cluelessness about puckouts, um, both pushing up and our our own puckouts. I mean, I don't know how many we lost in the first half from going along. I, I there's a, a Twitter account GA Statsman, and um, uh, it was the, he, I, I asked him for the the stats at half time, and it was just kind of scandalous, really. I mean, I mean, I I, I mean, Cody is is. Uh, after after this year, anyway, you know he's kind of um, you you know you can't fault him for getting us to another final with with the team that wasn't expected to. But um, I think management has questions to answer about some of the strategy and um, in ways the way our uh, our full back line were left out to hang out to dry in certain finals in the past. I think the half back line wasn't helped um, today, but I don't know what. What you would think of that? Um, but uh, I just, I just felt the players Sarah, did the best they could. Yeah, Mary, that's uh, appreciated. There, Sarah, do you want to come in on what Mary is saying there? Mary, I hundred percent agree with you. I thought Paddy, De- Paddy Deegan was an awful bother, and I thought they were looking for an out, and they were looking to the line. Mm-hmm. And if they had decided to go man for man, I think they'd have come off so much better than that decision to stay zonal, as Dahi talked about earlier. And it was as clear as day from 10 minutes out. And what you're talking about with Owen Murphy's puck outs as well, they were getting so little words from the puck outs. They were basically handing the ball to Limerick. And Dermot Burns was on fire today, lads. Like he missed nothing today. So it was, again, another reason not to launch it route one. They were so direct that they were giving Limerick every opportunity to press and push. Yeah, Mary... Good evening to you, Mary. You're, you're absolutely right. You can't argue with stats. You can't argue with facts and figures. But isn't it quite extraordinary that with literally a couple of minutes to go, the game was in the balance and Kilkenny, you know, were there and just an extra little push or something might have gone their way or whatever. They, they could have yeah, won that's, all that's Ireland. A, that's the frustrating thing, Dahi. Yeah. I mean, towards yeah. the end of that. Uh, I'm not saying we would have won. I think Limerick are deserving winners yes. and, and, and deserving three-in-a-row winners. I mean, really, I mean, they had they could take the game whatever they want, the way they wanted, long, short. Um, there was a great article on the 42 yesterday about how, how they can mix it whatever way they want. Sorry, my, my little fella is wanting to get in on the action here as well. But uh, um, no, it's it's just towards the end, um, and I think it's probably a reflection of the fact that you know this team is quite this Kilkenny team is quite new. There's you know there's only seven left from uh, the 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 final in, in 2019, and uh, possibly a, a further bit of you know composure that Limerick obviously have mastered. They've mastered game management uh, both on the sideline and and as a team. So. It's just some of those wrong choices that were made. Some of them perhaps a bit more surprising from TJ about that the choice of that 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 cross back when he was just at the square there in the second half. But um What would you like to see happen next, Mary? Um I suppose um <laughs> well um look you can't argue with success and I think that's part of the problem. Um, you know, like Cody is as I said, he's gotten this team to a final that they weren't expecting to get to. And so he, he it's his choice whether he stays on next year or not, basically. But um I don't know whether that row on the sideline with Goethe is a symbol of, of, of a symptom of something else, but um 
I, I just feel that um, maybe instead of substitutions, and I'm not saying the substitutions actually worked today for a time until Limerick copped onto them, but I, I think that we need a bit of fresh thinking tactically rather than making substitutions. Yeah. We need changes in terms of movement and st- style of play and decision making. And let's be fair to this team. Like, the, that four-week gap they had to the semi-final with Clare was kind of the first time uh, according to, to the management anyway, that they'd had a, ta- had, ch- had a chance to kind of discuss and work on that kind of short passing game and uh, Conor Phelan had them all together. So l- let's remember, it's not something that becomes Kenny naturally. I'm sure Brian, you know, his skin is itching every time he sees them trying to do short puck outs and, and it did break <laughs> down at times for them. But like, um, it's something that's not, it's an anathema to, to the kind of Kilkenny traditionalist style and something we will have to work on. And let's, I have to say, I'm, I'm very surprised and pleased with how well they came on. But um, uh, I, I was expecting, I was a day I thought the Clare game was was flattered to deceive. Um, so I have to say, I'd say most Kilkenny people are quite, um, I won't say pleased, but they're not uh they're not very disappointed because they died with their boots on. And <laughs> from our point of view, Limerick isn't a neighbouring county. It'd be far worse it have been Tip. <laughs> so, uh, I get that sense. I, I get that. Actually, Mary, that's a very honest appraisal. of, uh, And I would agree with everything you've said. It's a really honest appraisal. And it's a good question, Tommy, you posed as well, because Brian is a very authoritative man. There's no doubt about that. And I think in many respects, he's been dragged kicking and screaming a small little bit since Derek Ling and the boys have come in now and the current team that's around them as well to say Brian you know we've got to change things up things are moving and I don't think it sits 100% with him and I think Limerick from a strategic point of or Kilkenny from a strategic point of view were hurling very much kind of off the cuff whereas Limerick's was very very much preordained and I thought the interesting thing about it as well was a really interesting thing about it today was if you look at and yeah of course John John Kiley and Paul Kinnerk were getting animated towards the end and but the the message they were getting on was one in unison whereas to me I've never seen a Kilkenny sideline like that before where 10 minutes into the game John Kiley was given out about Gurta running up and down Paul Knerk came off and went to the linesman and said he's not entitled to do that like we've got to sit in our chairs Cody dispatched him a couple of times to send a message into own uh, Murphy about keeping their own puck out away from even though it was going 50 yards further than where he was, Hegarty was dropping so deep, he actually was telling him not to puck it on Garage Hegarty's side because Deegan wasn't following him and so much danger was coming. So it was fractured and fractious on the Kilkenny sideline today. So, like, you look at Tipperary, if what we think is going to happen with Liam Cattle coming back, to me, that's the Tipperary County Board acknowledging that the way Liam Sheedy played with the bunch of players he had was gone, and that group were gone. We need a new form of thinking, and it may be a ruthless thing they did with Colin Bonner, but it may actually prove to be a very fruitful and shrewd thing because Harlan has moved on and Tip now are going to move away. Like Tip and Kilkenny are the great traditionalists. Cork have changed their style, but not a style that actually suits them. Limerick have nailed it to suit themselves. Kilkenny still need to tinker and Tipperary will do a lot of tinkering if Lean comes in, so well, but Limerick's template is the one that's working for them. We might we might come back to Tipperary before because I have a question for you. Uh, Mary, thanks very much for calling in. We also have Richard Hogan. Uh, Richard, I'll bring you in now. Mary, thank you. I appreciate that. That was great stuff, Richard. Thank you, thank you very much. Patiently waiting there. Where are you calling? Uh, from? Uh, <laughs> I'm in 
it's been an island at the moment, but uh, we were watching Good today. Stuff. We were talking two weeks ago uh, he kind of about, about this, and we were looking at, at Bayern. You're absolutely right in regards to Brian as a traditionalist. Uh, there's probably a happy medium somewhere there in regards to the old style and the new style and, and kind of moving towards it. And they're probably still trying to find it. The other thing is, is that there's probably trust there in that if you go back through Brian's management committee and, and the group of selectors he's had in with them, probably Michael Dempsey is probably the most trusted man he had. And, and Michael had to build that trust over quite a long period of time. Michael was very, very experienced. Kurt and a lot of the guys, Derek, they were under Brian's tutelage as players. So it's to build that trust, you know, and, and you know, those arguments are the last couple of years in regards to the two semi-finals that they lost, that there had been issues technically in regards to it. Now, one of the positives today is that young David Blanchfield, when he came on, he looks to me as if he wanted to have a matchup with Gerard Higgerty. He's the type of guy you need to be looking at. There's probably a bit more development in him, but I thought he was very assured today when he came on. He got a nice point and, and did well and showed that he was up for the stage. On the flip side of that, it looked as if we got the key and Kenny call wrong. And probably what happened is that in that middle sector from 5 to 12, Limerick probably obliterated us in, in a lot of yeah. ways. Uh, what happened on the puckouts was that we didn't win clean possession. It went to ground. Limerick were forced to the break every time. And, and it just kept coming back in wave after wave. Deegan had a had a horrid afternoon, despite the fact he scored two points on, on Gerald Hegarty, who, who kind of went to town on. Kerry did all right on the other side. And... and Probably Richie Reid just probably didn't pick up the loose ball, but if Connor Forward he maybe was there instead of Keane Kenny, you might have had a bit more of a screen in regards to maybe Mark and Hayes. So, so that was one of the things. The other thing that I would say, and, and this is probably a big one, I don't know if anyone's picked up on it, on the 34th minute, just before half time, TJ hit a bad ride under the Hogan stand. But I think if you look back on it again, Adrian Mullen was kind of half running off the shoulder. I was on a run on an inside line, and if he spotted him, maybe a 10-yard pass into hand. Eventually, there was a goal on there. And I think we were... I remember that. Down maybe, yeah, I, I think we were two points... Yeah, I think we were two points down at that stage. And Adrian... Adrian there's no... no he might have got a goal over, but there was a potential goal chance there in regards to something opening up. And the goal there... Like, the thing about it is, if we'd have got ahead, potentially, at any stage, that's, that's the regret a lot of us would have, in that if we got ahead, we would have tested... Because if you remember, towards probably around the 55th 50, 50 minute, a huge number of the Limerick half-forward, nearly all of the half-forward line, moved back. And there was probably about 12 players between their own end line and the 65 at, at a period. So when it was coming out, it was literally coming out to nobody. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, tactical smarts there would mean that what you should be looking to do is you should be looking to get your shooters out to shoot from distance to keep the pressure on. Um, and there were probably a couple of stages where we had points for chances where well, we didn't take them. Richie Reid's one was, was probably a big one. Cody's one there directly after half time probably would have just added to the momentum and got things going. Wally yeah. was a huge influence when he came in, but there's not 70 minutes in that heat in Wally. There was probably 35. Delighted for the namesake, Mr. Richie Hogan, in Dane's fourth to come on and get a point and, and to go out like that rather than what happened in 19. Um, whether Richie hangs around or not, I don't know. But you know that that's that'll probably depend on his back and how he, he keeps himself in shape. Um, so th- there are a lot of positives. But in in regards to the style, you know, it's still going to be a blend of the old and new. And, and the fact that they died with their boots on, as everyone has probably said, 
potentially would they die with their boots on potentially for anyone else? Um, and that's kind of that's the question. Um, yeah, it's definitely and, Richard. It's definitely been the team of the night yeah, tonight, and yeah. uh, we we might let you go back to your holidays there because I'm going to move on slightly to Colin Bonner. No, really appreciate you calling in. And hard luck to Kenny today. We've got about three minutes left here, Sarah. I just wanted to put the Colin Bonner was raised there. It was the the Tipperary statement has been described as tasteless. Um, it's been slammed today across the board. All week has really been slammed. Where Bonner was relieved of his duties. Obviously, Liam Cal resigns or steps away from Waterford a day or two later. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out what may or may not happen. I'm not going to say Athens is a done deal, but it, it's all happened in the same week. What did you make of what happened in Tipperary hurling this week? I think that Tipperary were very astute in terms of the way they got out in front of, I suppose, their decision to go after Cahill. Okay. I'm not saying this is right what they did to Bonner, but they don't want to look like they're poaching players or managers, sorry, in, in the case of Cahill, right? So you, you can't kind of, I suppose, have Cahill leave Waterford and then offer him the job. They, they needed to get out in front and then, you know, him step in. OK, um, something that I wanted and whether he'd want to take the job. And right. we, got, we got the sense from him today. And, and I was speaking to this with Jamie Wall afterwards. We got the sense from him that they were a bit shook by the reaction to Henry taking the Galway job and the resulting kind of furore with, with Brian Cody. And I wonder, did it put and does it put Kilkenny players off? you know, managerial candidates off taking jobs in traditionalist counties because it got I got the sense that Eddie didn't like what happened to Henry. And yeah. It was it was something it's okay to take a non traditional job in Leash or Westmeath or a team that's not going to compete with Kilkenny. But I know though, but if you if you want to be the successor to Brian Cody, you're gonna have to prove yourself somewhere, right? If you look back at that video today, the sense was Eddie was saying, Henry, going to Galway, it, it hurt Kilkenny. And I think every former player who's possibly a candidate for a managerial role with Kilkenny is going, I can't go against Kilkenny in any capacity because it's just not worth it. That's very interesting. I'm going to have to watch that back from Eddie Brennan. I've certainly heard the opposite as well from Kilkenny players that I've spoken to, former Kilkenny players. Do you know that that Henry's done the right thing? You know, I'm not saying that he's. I'm not saying that he hasn't done the right thing, but I'm saying for their point of view, they're wondering: is it worth it? They don't want to put themselves in that boat. Okay, exactly, exactly. But, Watch but that even, back even with the court jobs, Sarah. Come on, like Cork Hurling aren't going to go outside of Cork. They wouldn't have luck. But that's not to say that you know you, you have to make changes. Look, if you look at Cattle going to Waterford, mm. like Waterford are a county with many ex players who had. You know, the likes of Ken McGrath, John Milan, um, Shanahan, they've all looked to go into kind of positions, coaching, management, but, but Waterford haven't gone with them. They've gone outside. So yeah. I, I, I'm saying from Cork's point of view, they're 18 years without a title. They've had loads of different guys around the setup. It hasn't worked. Ultimately, do Cork want to win or are they happy to stay with the status quo? That's interesting. Dahi, do you want to come in on this? I feel like you think Tip have done, you've said already Tip has done the right thing this week, you felt? Well, they're charged with making the decisions to bring Tipperary forward. If they think that's the right thing to do in Liam Cahill, they may not be wrong. Um, say what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway because <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I'm listening to this thing about, you know, Kilkenny players, would they go elsewhere? If, 
let's put it like this, if 50 or 60 grand is, you know, the deal to come and take on a particular county, they're not going to give two hoots what Brian Cody or anybody else thinks because whether people like it or not, money talks and there's huge money involved. And I listened to Liam Sheedy on a podcast last week talking about social media and, you know, the way it's gone now and listening on social media and people having to listen and managers and their families. And I was listening to the podcast going, it's bullshit, Liam. You know, some of these guys are on huge retainers. And if that's the case, then you're entitled to criticism because if professional managers out there are getting paid big money and professional players, people who pay their money to go in and see it are entitled, you know, to, to give their opinion and voice it. So, you know, Lee made the point, nobody's becoming a millionaire out of this thing. Well, you're right. But there's a lot of fellas making a hell of a lot of money out of it. And that's yeah. the reality. And big names are an attraction to big counties. Not necessarily the Corks who'll stay in, but there's a lot of counties out there who have ambitions to go further. And sometimes it's delusionary. And they look to fork out huge money to big ex-name players. And it's attractive. It's attractive. And if you go and you spend two or three years, it's a hell of a lot of money. It never gets spoke about. It does happen. It's been happening for donkey's years. It's another day's discussion if anybody ever wants to address it, but the GEA don't want it spoke about. It's be but there's huge, huge a, money. Yeah. There's huge money, Tommy, involved in this thing. So, like, Yeah, you know, but look, yeah. like, Dahi, if you consider that uh, Tomas O'Shea is going to possibly take Offaly, I'll yeah. watch Offaly football next year because I like the cut of Tomas O'Shea. So I want to see what he's going to do. Well, Previous O'Shea to that, was, I didn't Tomas- want to watch Offaly football. <laughs> well, Tomas O'Shea was involved with John Mohan with the greatest respects this year and Michael Dyden is my best pal. Tomas O'Shea was involved with Offaly football this year. John John Mohan's the one that took took the shit, you know, after the way the year finished and this, that and the other and we were porous against Westmead. Tomas O'Shea was in. And so, fairness, I think Mohan, Mohan was, had to be really convinced to come back this year as well, Dahi. I think John Mohan no, has, I'm saying, has put in a lot. Tommy, my point is this. When, when Offaly were, were, like, Offaly had a terrible championship. They were beaten down in Wexford Park and, and they were very, very poor. And then they were beaten by Westmead. And, like, yes. Westmead just ran through them like they were children. My point is, Tomas O'Shea, who was one of the greatest defenders of all time, was involved with Offaly for the year. And you'd say, well, surely, you know, your subject matter when you were brought in by the banjo was tighten up our defence. Yet he seemed to get away scot-free and nobody seemed to ask any questions of, well, what's that guy bringing? All the fingers were pointed at John Mohan and now it seems to be universally that, oh, he'll be a good choice for Offaly. I just don't necessarily agree with it. That's all. But Dahi, I'm going to say to you, Dermot O'Sullivan was one of the best defenders for Cork and he's been in there for three years and our biggest issue is the full back line and nobody questioned Dermot over the last month and a half The biggest issue issue of Cork is they play an absolutely anemic brand of hurling at grey hurlers They can't defend to save their lives and O'Sullivan was in there for the last three years and he didn't find a full back That's a fair point That's a fair point And nobody asked him that So I agree with you Tomas is one of the best defenders and you're you're questioning the Offaly setup. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. There might be a tweet about you tonight, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we haven't spoken since last year's All-Ireland final, Tommy, and we were great (laughs) friends, me and Sully. We were great friends. I didn't know that. There you go. There you go. We won't bring that up here. I didn't know that. (laughs) Uh, Sarah, it was obviously, it was a busy weekend across the board. We're nearly finished here in GA late night, but we will take one more call if anyone wants to call in. We haven't heard from a single Limerick Limerick person tonight. I'm surprised They're gone away. They must all be enjoying themselves. They must all be enjoying themselves. I'm not at all. Not at all. Um, Sarah, can you set the scene for us for the... All-Ireland Senior Camogie Championship semi-finals. We had the quarterfinals this weekend. Kilkenny 
had a pretty convincing win against Dublin, 224 to 111, and Waterford got by Limerick. I think Limerick, it was a surprise. Limerick, um, Waterford got by them. So we've, we've got Cork, Waterford and Crow Park next Saturday, 23rd of July. And we've got Go with Kilkenny at half five. What way is it shaping up? Yeah, sure. Look, I was down Semple Stadium yesterday, covered the games. Waterford had an incredible first half against Limerick. They scored 215. They came out in the second half, only scored a goal and a point. The weather was incredible yesterday, obviously. The heat, it was 26 degrees on the pitch in Semple Stadium yesterday. So when you score 215 in the first half, you're going to obviously expend a lot of energy, right? They had the job done. They got out the gap. No injuries. They now face Cork next weekend, and it is the best possible time to face Cork because Ashling Thompson, as we speak, appeal pending, is going to miss this game. She is the fulcrum of their midfield and Orla, Orla Cronin, their centre-forward, stepped away after the last game. So you're missing your 8 and your 11, right? Waterford have an incredible midfield right now. Lorraine Brace was the player of the match yesterday. She's like Chaffetz, lads. She's buzzing around the place, heads up hurling. Abby Flynn, wing forward. If anyone gets a chance to see the pass she gives to Neve Rocket for their first goal yesterday, it is stunning. Really? Okay. Highly, highly recommend it. But Neve Rocket, clutch moments yesterday, gets two great goals. Waterford, that was their fifth quarter final. And Derek Lyons, Caleb Lyons' dad, has been with them the last couple of years. They got relegated last year. He stuck with them. They're now into a semi final. It's a massive story for Waterford. They have a, a lovely team. They play a lovely style of hurling. They could do a job on Cork next week. From the other side, you're looking at Kilkenny. Kilkenny. We're level with Dublin. Dublin got a great goal early on in the game yesterday and Eve Gannon scored a cracker. 17 minutes in, it's level. Dublin, Kilkenny. It's a bit of a surprise because Kilkenny had obviously conceded, or sorry, Dublin had conceded for Dublin to go ahead. We were happy, right? Kilkenny scored 111 from there to half time, and the game was over. Yeah. So we now have a repeat of the last game of the championship, uh, say group phase, Kilkenny and Galway next Sunday. I can't separate them next Saturday. I can't Repeat. separate them. Yeah, I, I have no idea how it's going to turn out. They will go at each other hammer and tongs. It'll be a brilliant game. It sounds like it's going to be a sensational double header next weekend. That's Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on TV. Get the Crow Park if you can. Um, the atmosphere today, guys, must have been unbelievable. Was it? Yeah. I I had a ball of a day. I was a neutral, but I was wearing Kilkenny colours for the day. And... I, every every score I celebrated, I, I just think this day, I know it's July, I don't care, I had a ball. Uh, I, Dahi, you'll have to agree, the day no, was exceptional. Yeah, yeah. 100%. We, we got up, we got up, Idel and I got up really, really early up to Dublin and um, just loved the day and I just said, wow, so unusual July. I said, I couldn't care less because it's all Ireland final day and I just even beforehand walking down Jones's Road, and uh, met a couple of Dunloy players, met Johnny Crowley, the former Cork player there, um, met people I know I hadn't seen for years, and um, we were watching... The Clare and Wexford team from 95 and 97? Yeah, I was there, I was looking at the Clare team, thinking, you know, they look so well in their suits, they look gorgeous. The last time I seen those boys collectively together as a group, it ended up pretty bad for us. But anyway, we had our day in the sun a couple of years ago. So all of that was great. It was an extraordinary... It is, every, every year... Every day, just and Edel said to me coming out, I was so glad to be in neutral because I, 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 Limerick scores, I clapped Kilkenny scores. I wanted to see, and I wasn't let down, just brilliance, great players, you know, stuff I can remember talk about in a couple of weeks' time, a couple of months, a couple of years' time, and say I was there that day. So it, it, it is everything, it is everything, Tommy, doesn't it, Sarah? It was just magnificent. 
Yeah. I and it, and and a team deserved of all of the products yeah. came out on top today. Yeah. And I loved that the Kilkenny um callers coming in there gave them their due. It yeah. was a very clean game. There wasn't a filthy stroke in it. Every ball was contested fairly and squarely and I cannot speak highly enough for the two teams today. Yeah. yeah it was a, it was a savage occasion on a gorgeous day and uh hopefully we have another three weekends ahead with that. We've got the the ladies' football finals, we've got the Camogie semi-finals, we've got the football final next weekend. We'll be back with GA late night. I'm sure the two of you will join me next weekend, hopefully, on Sunday. If we're not in the hideout, Which yeah, we'll, we'll be, be back. back in again, lads. <laughs> Maybe if the sun is shining, we might stay away, but we'll try and get you back. So thanks to me and for, to everyone for calling in and for listening in. We had some brilliant contributions this week on GA late night. It was brought to you, of course, with thanks to Guinness Ireland. If you missed anything from the show today, you'll get it in the OTB GA podcast feed. And that's also where you'll get all of our GA this week on Off the Ball in the Evenings with Joe Malloy and Nathan Murphy and OTB AM in the Mornings with Gerald Gilroy and Owen Sheehan. And there'll be plenty as, as well from the Hurling Pod and the Football Pod and, and much more. So go have a look in the OTB GA podcast feed wherever you get your podcast. Dahi, Sarah, thanks very much for joining me. Talk to thanks, you. Sammy. Great stuff. Bye have bye. a great week, guys. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.